the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Good morning and welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. I'm John Kelly, publisher of the Orlando Medical News. Good morning, Dr. Mark and Larry. Good morning, Good morning. John. Mark Chat, MD, is a pediatric surgeon. He's practiced medicine in Central Florida since 1997. Larry Jones is the CEO of the Independent Healthcare Partners and the Independent Physicians Network. IPN's mission is to preserve and protect the independent practice of medicine. Larry, you've had some uh, feedback recently from our audience. Please share. Uh, thanks, John. You know, we did receive some feedback from our last show uh, talking about consumerism in healthcare. And I want to talk about three patient examples. A patient was scheduled for a sleep study and was told before the test she would have to pay a $1,400 copay, Dr. Mark. $1,400, nice. Yeah. She researched her provider directory and found an independent sleep study center and found that the total cost, now remember her copay was $1,400 on the other one, the total cost of the sleep study was only $400, and her copay would be 20% of that, which was $80. Nice, nice. That's some serious savings. Yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for, right? <laughs> that's right. That's good. Tell me more. And then we had another family was expecting, and at the t- time of preparing for delivery, they received a call from the hospital asking for a $3,000 upfront payment. The husband had heard one of our shows and told his wife, maybe we should check our benefits, which is pretty smart. They found that their copay for delivery was only $300. He called the hospital back and told them that his copay was $300, which the hospital replied, well, we would have reimbursed you once the insurance claims were processed. He paid the $300. Right, right. Nice, nice. And then I got one more example. We had another patient who was scheduled for an inpatient procedure and found that their out-of-pocket cost was going to be $1,200. After listening to our show, they checked around and found an independent surgery center who would do it for $200 for their out-of-pocket cost. Nice. So, Dr. Mark, evidently we're making a difference on this show. What do you think? No, I think so. I mean, this, these are exactly the kind of stories that we were hoping for, and I think we've heard them more often than we really even expected. But, you know, when you sit down and think about the average person and, and they're told, hey, you need to do this, I mean, why, w- why would you question it? Right. So we're definitely here to make sure that you question it. And it's about understanding your benefits and understanding how you can get the same quality care at a lower cost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then I don't know if you saw it, but reported yesterday that 80 million Americans have had one vaccination. Yep. And about 50 million have been fully vaccinated. Yep. And we've got more vaccines coming. The AstraZeneca's yep. looking like they may get their approval. So, I mean, th- things are definitely working towards a, an, an immune herd. 
No question. And, you know, I, I believe I heard the other day that on average we are now vaccinating two and a half million people a day. Is that right? Wow. That was that was a big number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, let's hope that people are becoming less skeptic about getting the vaccines. Yeah, I mean, that's there's still a, a large group of folks and for you know varied reasons that are are skeptical about, you know, whether it, it works, whether it's safe. And, you know, I just hope with time and numbers and, and good reporting uh, that people get more confident about it because it's absolutely going to make a difference. And, you know, I did see that, that Dr. Fauci threw in the old, oh, you know, we could be in for a fourth wave here. I and saw I, that. I, mean, I, I saw kinda, that. I kind of, I don't know where where the science is. And, and but it does, I don't, I'm not trying to scare people into it. Uh, but I definitely want to encourage yeah. everyone to get Well, involved. you know, social media also plays up the side effects. And every time somebody talks about, well, I had an adverse reaction to the vaccine, how many people say, well, then I'm not going to get it? Right, right. It just it just plays it does, it, on that. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. And, it, and you know, and th- those individuals that say it, if you get the follow-up, it's usually like, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I did have yeah. a reaction, and, right. and but I'm still glad I had it. But I want to go back to what we said on the show last week. I did my research. Not one single person has died from the vaccine. Right. And here, here in the in United America. States, in, yep. in, here in the, the United US. States, yep. and That's and great. you know, and I think that that one of the big pieces was people felt like anything that happened that fast has to be bad. And I, we've yeah. talked in previous shows; it it went through all the due diligence. It, did. it had all the testing. I say it, but all the all the vaccines, all the companies, and truly, what we have seen is as the vaccine is out there, and we're following results. Each vaccine's efficacy it has mm-hmm. been reported as better than they thought it was during testing. And it proves that it shouldn't have taken as long as it did in the past. No, of for course. These of course. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to be able to argue. Once everything settles down, we're going to fall right back That's in right. the, the F- FDA train again, I'm That's afraid. Right. But So, you know, talking about insurance, as we had been talking in the past, uh, there was a newly released study by the National Health Institute showed that 11% of U.S. residents, about 30 million under age 65, actually lacked health insurance as of the January, June uh, 2020, uh, which is just about a year ago. And that's 30 million. But, you know, in 10 years, we've gone from 48 million in, uh, uninsured to 30 million today. Is that enough, Dr. Mark? Well, I think we're still missing a big segments of the population. I mean, progress is progress. I mean, that's that's great. Um, you know, we've we've had some population increase since that time, too. So I think, you know, you could really take it's statistics, right? I mean, you can right. take that and kind of push it in either direction. I think it's very clear that if the message with uh, the ACA in the very beginning was healthcare for everyone, right? We we haven't gotten much closer to that, no. uh, and so I think, and you know, it things really haven't changed. Well, yeah, from day the, one. well, since 2010, when the ACA law was actually passed and Obamacare came in, we've only made a small dent in the uninsured in America right. in ten years, right? And and there's been a cost to that to the states, the ones that that have made that dent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's become like once again more political than healthcare related, right? Uh, and I think that instead of trying to fix a broken system with a broken system, you know, we just need to continue to figure out how to make the the healthcare dollar matter, right? And then well, people will be able to afford healthcare. Yeah. Well, when we talked about what are the biggest issues. In healthcare, if you recall, access to care and health insurance is a critical determinant in access to healthcare. 
And are we really making enough progress, Dr. Mark? No, I don't think our access of care to access to care has improved when it comes to getting affordable insurance. Um, I mean, it really, it just depends. You know, this, again, a huge political issue. This is typically the number two most important thing to voters is health care. And and with COVID, I'm sure it's it's pushing even closer to taking over the economy, which is number one. So so it's talked about all the time, and every politician has to sit down and say that they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And every once in a while, you start to believe it. Right. You know. Well, you know, I, I did some research on that, and from 2010 to 2020, the last decade, mm-hmm. corporate health plan costs have increased 42 percent, from 500 to over 720 billion dollars. Wow. But over that same period, here's where I think the rub is. Employee contributions grew 140% during that same time frame when the economy only grew 23%. So so let's just kind of back up. So the overall increased cost to corporate entities was 42%, but contributions by employees up 140%. 140%. I mean, mean, it was just worth repeating. And it's the shift from premiums that employers can't afford to right. move in the benefits more to the cost to the patient sure. and the consumer and they're being able to lower their premium overall for an employer. Right. And then, you know, the bottom line starts to become what's your bottom line, right? And so right. If, if these companies, they you know, companies went through this, the big corporations went through this in a stepwise fashion. They didn't just avoid, they started to offer plans that had lesser coverage. And I think that's what stimulated some of the thought in the ACA. So in, insurers... And uh, corporate folks were giving plans that didn't cover what you necessarily needed, right. but they were cheap enough, so the bottom line wasn't as affected. Exactly. So, so all of a sudden, the ACA says, "Screw your bottom line. You're going to have the coverage that you need." Right. And the response right. has been, "Well, if we're going to do that, then the employees are going to pay." And you know, when when they looked at you talk about health con- care control influencers that access. Uh, an employer being able to access health care, and then that 140% increase in out-of-pocket cost, they looked at three things that really impact this. Obviously, it's price. Right. It's contracted price. It's appropriateness of care. Mm-hmm. And In other words, going to the ER on Saturday night for a bad coal right. and cost you $3,000, right. that's not, not appropriate. Not appropriate care, that's right. not appropriate at all. And then the other thing is more towards the value-based care movement patient and patient outcomes. outcomes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where do we go from here now that we know this, Dr. Mark? Well, so, so we went price, appropriate care, and patient outcomes. Right. Okay. We need to flip it to patient outcomes, patient outcomes, patient outcomes. Absolutely. And because we see time and time again, the the patient outcomes improve, there's cost savings. And I think that, you know, we've talked about this in our independent physician network, mm-hmm. exactly how that gets put together, how we use those other things. We have the appropriate care, and now the contracted price is going to come down. So right. that that's going to drive yeah. the bottom line. You know, assuming that uh, they don't figure out a way to pay the insurance companies more percentage of profit every exactly. year. Exactly. And we've talked more and more about the accelerated cost of hospital-treated health system care right. versus outpatient care. We know there's a significant difference. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that the care is bad. We're no. just saying it's more expensive. No, the the overhead is yeah. greater. And, yeah. you know, we've, we talked about this last week, at, you know, with COVID, there's been a decrease in and numbers of people going to the hospital in the ER and people who need to be in the hospital need to be in the ER can't avoid it. You need to go. However, you know, the, the outcome has been 
higher acuity or more seriously sick patients, yep. but a lower number and a lower number of those lower acuity patients. So, exactly. So the, the, the economics of that means that the hospitals are actually able to make more money because they're wasting less. Right. Well, we're at the end of this segment, and I need to uh, encourage our audience to call 407-701-7424 or email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com because a 140% increase in out-of-pocket is just, uh, it's so challenging. We'll be right back. Dr. Thomas, please report to the ICU. In every healthcare facility, there's an invasion underway. Pathogens are entering, colonizing, and infecting patients and caregivers, causing extended stays and readmissions. Many pathogens come in on shoe soles, grabbing a free ride into patient care areas and other sensitive locations. That's why there's Healthy Soul, a UVC-powered medical technology that in just eight seconds kills up to 99.99% of the dangerous pathogens on the soles of footwear. The same effective UVC technology that decontaminates whole rooms can now target shoe soles. Independent clinical studies and lab testing prove it. Add Healthy Soul to your infection prevention practices today. Stop pathogen spread in its tracks. Healthy Soul. Visit Healthy Soul. That's healthy, S-O-L-E dot com today. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Are improved patient outcomes valuable? Improved chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, all without increasing practice workload or expenses. rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Interested? rx to livecom or call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. That's 609-605-6859. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Last week, we asked the question, are you comfortable seeing a physician assistant? or nurse practitioner for wellness or sick visits. The majority of the responses we received were lukewarm or it's okay. And sometimes, uh, well, at least one um, audience member shared, it's okay, but I've encountered problems with prescriptions prescribed by nurse practitioners. Can you share your thoughts on this, Dr. Mark? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things going on here. As always with any survey, you're much more likely to get people that are less satisfied uh, to, to answer the survey than not satisfied. And I'm not, I'm not taking away the fact that complaints should be heard. The other piece is there are a lot of individuals that don't really know that they're seeing nurse practitioners or PAs, that they're seeing, the, you know, the person that they're, they're supposed they're to being see. Treated. Yeah. yeah. So, so, well, I mean, well, I don't want to say it that, that way just because they're seeing somebody that they, they figure this is good. Right? right. So, and I can tell you that, you know, I've had family experience with that. Um, so, it's definitely 
increased by numbers over time. But what I have seen is it's specialty dependent, right? So if you're going in to see your surgeon, you're less likely to be satisfied not seeing the person that's going to do that procedure. Um, if you're going in to see your cardiologist, you know, sometimes it's really hard to see. Your cardiologist, you might see them once a, once a year, and if you have a, a serious problem, you, you've got to be in the office much more than that. You can develop a relationship. So what I would do is I would encourage listeners to, you know, it's no different if there's a doctor that you didn't feel great about, right? So you, it's a relationship. And I would encourage listeners to be open and also be communicating with the practices and let them know how they feel because that person that did have that problem, I hope that they spoke to the practice. They're not trying right. to get anybody in trouble, right. but in order for the process to work, I mean, the the consumers, we're the ones that have to drive the process. Right. Well, I think things are changing, Dr. Mark. You know, years ago, uh, parents, uh, our parents, our grandparents, they would go to the doctor right. and do whatever the doctor said and not ask any questions. Not ask any questions. <laughs> exactly. Incredible trust. Yeah, exactly. And today, I think that's changing, that as people become more educated consumers, as we're trying to provide with this show, uh, they 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 have the ability and know it's okay to ask more questions. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think it was gone are the days of the healers, and That's right. uh, although you know we're we're all in this to heal, so it's right. it's it's really challenging. Let's kind of change uh, gears a little bit. Let's talk about we we have talked about many times the private equity uh, barrage on healthcare. There was a new report by Bain and Company that just came out uh, talking about that the volume of healthcare private equity deals increased twenty one percent. In 2020, during the pandemic, incredible. This is an is this an example of exploitation of vulnerable healthcare providers, or just oppor- opportunistic by venture capitalists? I mean, it's always uh, it's a point of view. I mean, I wouldn't say it's uh you know that that it's an attack on vulnerable. It may be saving them, right? So could be. I mean, I've yeah. had uh, through my career many many colleagues that have started out in one form. Maybe they were independent, and then they were hired by the hospital, or they were doing different things mm-hmm. that 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 they were always kind of sheepish to tell me that what was going on. Right. But an individual's practice is an individual's practice and right. different needs are met. Right. So I think this is a, this is an, a business opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're seeing the business world meld into getting interested in medicine, right. maybe for the right reasons, maybe for the wrong reasons. Right. I mean, when you look at that $4 trillion expenditure, if you're a wall street person, you might say, mm-hmm. Dang, what am I missing here? I'm missing part of that $4 trillion, right. right? Well, but we're going to talk really about some more of that at. as we go mm-hmm. further as well. But I think uh, we've even seen in our own network yep. that some physicians have joined venture capital groups correct, correct. to become multi-specialty or even multi-physician organizations. Yep. And, and it's usually driven by contracting. Right. So they're getting paid uh, you know, for, for services rendered, and these venture capital groups uh, have buying power. And they have, quote unquote, better contracts. Right. So I can do the same amount of work, but actually be paid at a, right. at a better rate. I saw a uh, recent article in the the headline of the article is Amazon to soon launch healthcare offerings, telehealth offering in all 50 states. Currently, the Amazon app connects their Washington based employers, employees to providers for a wide range of primary care and urgent care services. Launching Amazon Care nationally would be the first time that Amazon puts a stake in the ground in healthcare delivery, not just pills and devices. I mean, we know Amazon is a uh, consumer products delivery company. Now they're making it known that they're trying to put a stake in the ground 
in the $4 trillion healthcare industry. Dr. Mark, is is a company like Amazon good for healthcare? Well, let me let me back back it up a couple of three years. Okay. So about three years ago, we had Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan, and Amazon come out and say, "We're going to fix this." This being healthcare for their million employees. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And and but they but at that time, the plan was to practice on their million employees. That's right. And then take it take it nationwide. So they got a lot of flack for that. Like, you, you, you don't really know what you're doing over there. But the, the people really thought about this thought that, well, the administrative abilities of these incredibly, incredibly successful business folks could be helpful, right? Well, so that was three years ago. Well, that went bunk, right? They came out and announced, and Mr. Buffett and the crew said, yeah, we're just going to kind of split up again, and everybody's kind of going to do their own thing. Well, their own thing is what you just described with Amazon. Mm-hmm. So Amazon uh, had a, a, a teleneth, telehealth network that was providing. They did an 18-month uh, protocol out in S- Seattle okay. uh, where they were delivering telehealth care. And if you had a need, they were sending yeah, Mainly to people, their employees, yeah, probably. But yeah, mainly yeah, to their yeah, employees. Yeah. And they were sending over uh, nurses and physical therapists that were making home visits. And they were sort of getting getting their feet wet with that. Right. Well, they've just announced that they're going to go statewide in the state of Washington. And now just day before yesterday came out and said, well, actually, they said this even earlier. They said, we want to be in all 50 states in short mm-hmm. order. Now, they haven't made it extremely clear. They're saying that they're, again, they're talking about their own employees, but they want to make this plan available to other employers. Okay, so right. we've talked about these employed. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting. So so back to your question, is this yeah. good? Yeah. Well, Two of our biggest problems in healthcare are administrative costs yes. and logistics. Yes. I don't know anybody that handles logistics better than Amazon. You That's know, del- delivering products yep. to, to where mm-hmm. you want. I mean, you know, when it's when when they were doing the Amazon Prime two day delivery and then sometimes it showed up on your door that afternoon. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, who who does that, right? Exactly. And I know it's not perfect. I'm I'm being a little facetious here, but but and then the other piece is on that administrative side. I have to believe that those C suites are more capable of saving the healthcare dollar and making it more valuable than folks that just grew up in healthcare and have literally been having cash thrown at them during their entire right. career. That's never really been the focus of how do we trim this budget. That's a so, great argument. So yeah. could it be good? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. So long as they use independent physicians, I think well, it's going to be great. <laughs> I love that ending. <laughs> yeah, That's perfect. You know, uh, also one of the largest... Uh, not-for-profit health systems, Trinity Health out of Livonia, Michigan, mm-hmm. which owns 90 hospitals and $19 billion in annual revenue, has just invested in Premier Health, urgent care centers in 73 locations in nine states. Right. So what does that tell you about where they think medicine's going? Well, I mean, there's, there's a, these urgent care centers serve a number of purposes. They can deliver... Great care at a lower cost and be feeders, and then no, that's number two. That's right. And then number two, they can be you know front yeah. doors to that's the hospital. Exactly. So depending on what their model is and how independently their folks get to practice, um, it, it can be a good thing or it can be something that just adds to the cost. And to be fair, if it's a hospital-owned urgent care center, they can charge more than an independent center that's exactly. not related the to facility hospital. fee. Yep. 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 And then there was another one. You know, these are big deals. And yeah. Ascension Ventures, which is the out of St. Louis, the nation's largest 
Catholic right. and nonprofit health system. Mm-hmm. They announced this past week that they finished their fifth uh, venture capital fund to the tune of a billion dollars. And this this organization now reaches 300 hospitals, 431,000 employees, and generates nearly $80 billion in annual revenue. Right. If that's one company, that is the number one group. Exactly. So I exactly. think, so I think HCA huge. is under 200 hospitals. Exactly. Right? Yeah, about 165 yep, hospitals. Yep, yeah. Yep. So, so that's that's a that's a big play, and it's, it's been a, a lo- it's been a long time yeah. coming. I mean, they've yeah. been very aggressive at going into markets and picking up uh, hospitals that right. seem to have success potential right. and right. just keep growing it. And on the national front, Humana this week announced that it has created a new brand called Centerwell that will eventually absorb many of Humana's health services offering. Humana plans to gradually transition its health service units into the Centerwell brand over the next couple of years, beginning with Partners in Primary Care's 41 locations and Family Physicians Group's 24 centers right here in Orlando. Wow. Wow. That's going to be interesting. I hope we can get yeah. somebody on to talk to us a little bit about that rebranding, okay. um, what what the stimulus was behind that. I mean, is it is it just marketing or, or you know, that... A, a new brand for Humana could be a very good business move for them, but I'd love to hear yeah. what, what we'll, motivated We'll see them. if we can get someone yeah. on board here and, uh, and have a conversation with them. Private equity's impact on health care, quality of care, consistency of care. Audience, please share your thoughts, 407-701-7424, or email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business from competitors, brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. SakataFilms.com, 407-860-3035. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm a big fan of small business and a believer that small business is a significant component in our economic recovery. Joining the show this morning are Andrew Cole, President and CEO of the East Orlando Chamber of Commerce, and Joseph Felice, MBA, Owner, President, of the Avalon Insurance Services, LLC. 
They will discuss the East Orlando Chamber of Commerce's Small Business Health Insurance Program, which has evolved the past three years. Welcome, Andrew and Joe. Tell us about this secret sauce the East Orlando Chamber has cooking for East Orlando small businesses. Um, thank you. Thank you uh, there, uh, John. We really appreciate you being here uh, on that. So thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, John. Appreciate the time and the opportunity to speak and share our business here. Thank you, Andrew. Why don't you start off by uh, sort of giving a a background? Uh, I know we've talked a little bit about this ourselves, but just for our listeners as to what the the topic we're going to uh, be be addressing. Well, we've brought in with the East Orlando Chamber a bunch of health uh, benefits and also insurance plans that we can offer to our members, which... Uh, we've, we've started this over three years ago and kind of uh, have morphed this into different pieces, but the, the real aspect was we heard from a lot of our small businesses that they weren't able to offer benefits to their employees that were affordable. They were not able to get benefits for themselves, uh, for being self-employed, um, that were affordable or available for them through the ACA program that seems to be very uh, expensive. And so the chamber, listening to what our members' needs were and what we could do to help our small businesses, as we're made up of a lot of small businesses here on the east side, um, we felt that it was very important to offer a benefit package that can help them. And through the last three years have uh, morphed that into what we have today with um, a number of uh, supplemental plans along with um, some medical insurance and health care uh, pieces with that, including telehealth and dental and vision. and Well, Andrew, uh, let me ask you, what makes employee health care benefits so important in this current environment for the chamber to be involved? Well, the main thing now, now with COVID, we found that a lot of people are really worried about the fact that they may have to go to the hospital if they were to catch COVID. And uh, having a plan where somebody can get hospital coverage and to be covered for something with that it made sense to revamp and to look at what our benefits are to help people out in this era where uh, nobody knows exactly where they might be or how they will be affected by this virus. Joe, I'm going to bring you into the conversation here and ask you to sort of explain to our our listeners the differences between this type of plan and then, you know, if the, the ACA or if they just walked into any of the commercial providers and tried to set up a plan. Absolutely. Well, what this plan does really is it creates options for everybody. And, and right now, that's the number one thing you want to provide to both employers and employees is options, especially when it comes related to their health care. Um, how you can tailor this, how you can custom design this to your own needs is really where the value is. As Andrew mentioned earlier, when it comes to a single individual, um, you, you have the ACA market value. And then at times when that, when that option is in, in, in open enrollment, as you alluded to, you have a private option. Well, sometimes those aren't affordable, and a lot of times those can't be sponsored by an employer. So what this does is it brings the option of bringing, as Andrew mentioned, all your typical employer-offered programs in a chassis and in a benefit administration system that employees are used to seeing. And this can be provided to individual employees, purchased on an individual basis, or it can be sponsored through the employer where it's going to mirror the look and feel and the advantages of a traditional employer-sponsored program. So in, in a, the long-winded answer there, I think it's really the options that it provides to be able to adapt to use this as both an employee need and an employer's need. Now, would it have the same requirements of coverage, or can you sort of 
you know, the, I think that was one of the issues with the ACA is there were things on there that some people absolutely didn't want or need for coverage. I mean, and, and I can imagine taking some of those things out would lower the cost. Absolutely. And, and that's, again, that's, that's one of the options included in there is the ability to custom design this to meet your particular needs. So if your needs are not, as you said, up to the ACA level, then, then that's how you can purchase your plan and design your plan around it. Is there a specific open enrollment? And when did you guys start offering these plans? Well, we started, uh, we, we started this program back in uh, 2018, and uh, it's morphed over the last couple years uh, from where we just offered supplemental benefits to then we had a direct primary care, and then now to fit the needs of, of, uh, of the clients or to, of the and businesses with a health insurance plan. That's kind of where we started with a lot of that. Yeah. So you can follow up with any of that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there is no open enrollment. That's where we're kind of unique in this plan. Um, now, again, we can tailor this to any need. So if, if, if you want to get into this program and you're an employer and you want to sponsor this um, and you want to payroll deduct it, as Andrew said, well, then we can make this ACA compliant, custom design the medical plan that fits your needs and require the contribution levels, and this is your traditional plan. If the employer for any reason of interest or financial reason, because as we know, we're going through some unprecedented times and businesses, especially small businesses, are having a hard time staying open. So if finance is an issue and you cannot support the traditional medical plan, then you can offer this on an individual basis where the employees can go in and individually enroll. With that said, there is no open enrollment for that. So an an individual can wait this month, next month, and in two months feel the need to enroll or get the interest, and they can enroll in the medical product or any of the products. Great. Um, I had another little general question. So we've been talking about small businesses. How would how are we defining a small business that would be that would qualify? I and Andrew, I'll let you answer in your question too. What I, I qualified as because I come from the insurance world is at, at once you see fifty employees full time, you're now ACA required to provide the medical insurance. Right. When you're under fifty lives, that's a choice the employer can make. That's a tough choice for all employers, especially in today's market. Because now employees more than ever are looking to their employer for health care um, options, resources, tools, benefits. So th- that's really the, the, the program there. Right. That's, so it's the 50, 50 employee cutoff. And, and again, Correct. it's not a financial it, it, thing. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I, I just yeah. wanted to, I'm sure the listeners are kind of wondering, like, you know, do they, do they work for a big company or a little company? I mean, it's always hard to, hard to follow Absolutely. along with that. Now, are there tax benefits for the employees or the employers, depending on how they set this up? There are, correct. So in your traditional employee benefits program offered through an employer, if they, they payroll sponsor, and what that means is if it's payroll deducted, so the employee is going to sponsor it through payroll deduction, um, whether the any, any, any benefits the employer contributes to is obviously going to be a tax write-off for the employer because that's a, a, a benefit that the employer is contributing to. Right. If the employee is contributing to their benefits, then that's going to lower through a payroll deduction. That's going to lower the lower the employer's payroll tax because gotcha. it's lowering the payroll. Right, and, so yeah, and also their right. overall income. Right, absolutely. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great, cool. And my next uh, question would be: So, who's who's the panel? Who are the doctors? So, if somebody's going to sign up, how do they find out if their doctors are going to accept this and, and how that works? Yeah, no problem. So. Basically, these are with major medical platforms, so United Healthcare and National General. So these are national healthcare providers. Um, and according to the plan that they pick, they can check out the the network. Um, obviously, UHC and National General have different networks. 
um, available. So according to which plan you pick, where your network would be available. So if you want to check out, you have a specific doctor before you look into the plan, that information is available for you to confirm. Gotcha, gotcha. That's I tell you, that's been a, a more and more challenging issue on all insurances. And then some of the, when the commercial insurers are creating these narrow networks, you think your doc's on, and then when you put it up, they're like, oh, no, I don't take that actual variety. So that, that can be challenging. It, it is, and that's a big reason why Andrew wanted to stay with national carriers, because we didn't want to get regionalized and then have those teeny networks where it's a misleading story. Per se. Well, you know, before the pandemic actually hit in late, I guess it would have been 2019, United Healthcare dropped about 150,000 providers yeah. Yeah. across the United States to narrow their networks. And I'm just wondering if that affected uh, your uh, provider directories at all either. Uh, no, because you always have the option to do uh, different types of networks where you can center them down to keeping them in network. And as you said, they have different size networks from your United Healthcare specifically, from your right. neighborhood health plans to your national. But then you can also mm-hmm. have a PPO plan where you're getting people outside the network. Well, Andrew, uh, I know we're talking about health insurance benefits with Joe, but tell us a little bit more about the uh, the chamber and uh, some of the other things you guys do because we're getting real close to, to running out of time here. Sure. Just real quick, the East Orlando Chamber has been around for 75-plus years, or 75 years, actually. This is our 75th anniversary. Um, we are located in East Orlando, cover 440 square miles of East Orange County, everything basically east of I-4 to Brevard, Seminole County, down to Osceola. So if you are a business that is located within any of those regions or interested in any of the programs or products or benefits that we offer here with the Chamber, anybody can join the Chamber to be a part. Um, so all of this is listed. We have it available on our website at eocc.org, or you can call us at the office at 407-277-5951 to get in touch with us to find out more about our programs and uh, all the other benefits that we offer with the Chamber. But uh, we're proud to serve our Central Florida community, and especially those businesses here on the east side or businesses that want to connect with the businesses and community, communities here in East Orange County. Great Great information, Andrew and Joe. Um, again, for our audience, how can our audience learn more about you? Once again, uh, they can reach uh, reach us at eocc.org. Uh, that's our chamber website, or via phone at 407-277-5951. Heading into break, I need to remind our audience about the question of the week. And last week, we asked the question, are you comfortable seeing a physician assistant or nurse practitioner for wellness or sick visits. Answers after the break. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. COVID-19 impacting your practice? Patients' visits down, elective procedures pushed out. Rx to Live provides a turnkey solution. Chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, behavioral health screenings. Interested? RxToLive.com. Better yet, call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. 609-605-6859. Life can be challenging, even before covid Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. 
So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Dr. Mark and Larry, over the last month, there have been multiple appointments to President Biden's healthcare team. Can you share some comments about what's going on nationally specific to healthcare? Yes, John. As you know, uh, 10 days or so ago, they signed into law the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus bill called the American Rescue Plan. And there's a couple of things in there that definitely affect health care. One is they increased the premium subsidies under the ACA program, as well as added another 60-day open enrollment period to the Obamacare program. But there was one thing that I was talking to Dr. Mark before yeah, the show. Big thing. Uh, that this bill actually covers 100% of COBRA premiums through September of this year. Right. And if any of you have ever had to pay COBRA coverage, so COBRA coverage is... If you've lost your job and while you're looking to get another job or getting health care coverage, you can continue coverage through COBRA, but it is expensive. Yes. Uh, as much as three to four times oh, yeah. what your normal premium right. would be. Right. And now you're unemployed. Who can afford that? Makes right. no sense. No. Yeah. So that, that is something good. And, you know, there there's a, a lot a lot in this American Rescue Plan that we could let others tear apart and talk exactly. about. But that that is something that that I have to say is is money yeah. smartly spent. I agree because it's going to, you know, we talk about this being a stimulus package and what it's really designed to do, right? It's to stimulate the economy. It's right. to put money in pockets, and that money is supposed to be spent. Now here, it's truly a rescue, as as the Correct. as the title of the, of the American Rescue Plan. It's really rescuing right. people who are. You know, they're they're going without insurance is what they're doing. Exactly. I mean, there's no way they're paying paying those. And there's numbers. been a lot of debate and a lot of uh, conflict about some of the things that were added to this plan. Right. And now I heard the other day they're looking at another three trillion dollar plan that they're working on now as right. a secondary to the American Rescue Plan. So I have no idea what that's going to include, Doctor Mark. Well, I think the conversations have just have to continue as we live through this. These, I mean, I always kind of hated all, all the all the uh, fodder on these uncertain times. But they are kind of uncertain. Yeah. You know, it gets down to sure. this, and, they, and we don't know when these packages are going to not be needed. We exactly. don't know if That's they're right. effective. So I think it's it's probably wise for Washington to keep in mind that, you know, this is a this is something that changes on the, on the day right. and uh, at least make, make some plans. I'm not so sure that we actually need to keep printing money and making exactly. it happen, exactly. but that's, that's kind of a different... That's, well, that's I think out, that's probably... Outside the, our lane. That's but. across the aisle debate right there. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Sure, sure. You know, under political, heavy political debate, there seems to be three questions that continue to come to the top. And let me kind of throw these out, Dr. Mark, okay. and get your thoughts on them. 
And the first one is, how do we guarantee universal access to health care without government interference in consumer choice of private practice? And the second one is, how do we limit the spiraling cost of health care without reducing quality and access to health care? And then the third one, which is a big debate, should everyone be required by law to have health insurance? Okay. Your thoughts on that, Dr. Yeah, Mark? I mean, those are obviously, those are really, really heavy discussions. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll take, them, take them right in order. How do mm-hmm. we guarantee universal access to health care without government interference? I think uh, it's going to be impossible to not have some government. I agree. Uh, you know, I- interference is, is certainly a negative word for it, but it, just depending on what, what side you're on, um, it's, it's a free market. But healthcare is a different animal, and uh, you know I'm concerned about that. I don't mm-hmm. say that with a light heart that I want the the government involved, right? But but the government's already hugely involved, hugely in, involved in with Medicare, Medicare, Medicaid, Medicaid ACA. Yeah. So to, Medicaid, so, you know the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. people that run out there and say no, 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 we don't want them involved at all. Well, they're that, already involved. yeah that that horse is well That's out right. of the barn, right? Even uh, uh, Social Security benefits for the disabled. Right. Much prior to the age 65. And that's all locked up. All all those things are locked in a budget and have been for decades. Next, you know, how do we take care of the costs? Well, I think that's a lot of what we talk about every week. We do. I think uh, cutting administrative costs is a huge Mm -hmm. piece of it. Figuring out ways to improve patient outcomes is it sounds backwards because, you know, you think, well, if if I'm going to get healthier more quickly, we need to spend some money. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, that's true. And you know, there's there's been uh, there's been actions from from Washington and and everywhere really over the years looking at expanding technology and how much how important that is to healthcare. But, Dr. but it Mark, does cost money. Hospital cost up thirty six percent over the last ten years. Out of pocket cost up one hundred and forty percent. Right, right. Over the last ten years, right. how do we rein that in? Right, and it's got to be the administrative costs. It, it's yeah. got to be. And when I say administrative costs, I don't mean just the hospital administrator. I don't mean that at all. Right. I mean the administration right. of healthcare. Because if if it was yeah. back in the old days where somebody came in and they they needed care and they you know they brought they brought whatever if they were a farmer they brought food in and it was a barter system. Mm-hmm. There was zero administrative cost, right? Right. And so we need to figure out a way in our style economy that we can decrease those administrative costs yeah. and still make the machine run. It's about everything that impacts healthcare. Mm-hmm. Now that last one mm-hmm. should everyone be required to have health insurance? Man, that 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 is a tough one. That's I mean, been that, heavily that, debated. It, it has. That's, and that's then like Trump the motorcycle it out, helmet law, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, and so on the one side. Can you punish someone that doesn't have the money to spend for not spending the money? Yeah. Okay. Makes no sense. On the other yeah. side, anyone who doesn't have health care becomes a burden on the system, and this system is heavily burdened already. So, it, I mean, you go all, all day long with this. I think the answer to this is going to be creating products that are affordable, uh, that, you know, one of the, one of the things that uh, President Trump did was link the Medicaid to having to have a job, you know, and that was sort of an interesting play of, of, you know, you're contributing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, that's already, you know, in, in the, in the first right. few hours got right. wiped out. Right. So, so there's gotta be some better thought. I, I hate that it's as far right and far left and we haven't figured out a middle ground to answer that need. It's a but, good point. But, uh, but it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, today, some think that the U S healthcare system is in shambles for so many reasons. Uh, major stakeholders in healthcare, such as pharmaceutical and insurance companies, they use large lobbies to influence the sure. 
the passing of oh, certain yeah. legislation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Political politicians refrain from endorsing controversial legislation to please their constituents, even if it would improve health care. In addition to the political confusion, the skyrocketing prices we've talked about, a larger aging population, and discrepancy in health equity. All these things, Dr. Mark, add up to many people think that our health care system is in shambles. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's not... It's not in shambles. No. It, it's just down a pathway of spending more and more and not getting anything more out of what you're spending, right? So right. the healthcare dollar is devaluing. And so I think that taking that piece out, and we, we talk about this all the time. We talk about mm-hmm. the hospitals and the facility fees. Right. Well, why do you think that is? Well, it's because they have a lobby. That's and, right. And, uh, you know, a lobby means The American Hospital Association of... is one of the largest lobbies mm-hmm. in America. Right. The American Pharmaceutical Association yep. is also right. one of the largest lobbies in America. Right. So, so I think there's a lot of folks that would like to trim that fat and make it mm-hmm. less political. Uh, and again, but how, how would it not be that way since health care is always number one, two or three in the voters' interest, right? right? right. And, and what, they want to, what they want to have addressed. So it's, it's kind of crazy. A lot of issues there. Uh, you know, in a, we, we talked about Amazon earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've teamed up with Change Healthcare to take a claims data processing with social determinants to provide more of the artificial intelligence moving forward. You know, we've talked about this in the right, past. Right. Another venture capital firm and another angle to the Amazon approach right. that you were talking about earlier. Well, technologies, I mean, because we're going to yep. bring, they're going to bring technologies like AI, like right. blockchain right. into a business that hasn't really had it. Right. You know, I think week after week, we've talked about uh, a, a topic that we just haven't been able to mm-hmm. get to. And it's mm-hmm. really talking specifically about Who's going to be running our uh, right. our healthcare right. in the country? Right. We've only got about five minutes left. Can we do it? I think we can. You know, there are six. <laughs> there are, if not, we'll continue it. There are six positions, and Mark, Doctor Mark, you can start off that actually are the key people running our healthcare system today. Okay. So the uh, the now this is the only one that's already been confirmed. He's confirmed on Thursday. Correct. He's the uh, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra. Mr. Becerra is uh, attorney background. Um, he was, as we'll repeat in almost all of these folks, uh, in the Obama uh, cabinet as well, yep. was uh, very involved in that time, has been out of the picture for a while for, uh, for obvious reasons, and uh, is coming out back out from Los Angeles to jump into this role. Uh, he is, you know, it's, he's, it's an important position. And I do have some concern that it's not filled with a uh, fresh thinker. Well, he's I mean, I one of he's say. running actually one of the largest departments in our federal government. Yep. yep. At $1.2 trillion. Yep. And, and experience. Absolutely. Yep. He has the experience. Yep. But I'm not convinced that the experience in a lot of these positions is what we really want right. because we're not getting much change. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Mark, about this. I mean, you're a physician. Health and Human Services Secretary, mm-hmm. the only physician that has been appointed to that position since the Eisenhower administration in 1953 is Dr. Tom Price, who is an orthopedic surgeon out of Atlanta that Trump initially appointed to HHS secretary, right. and he only lasted eight months. Right, right. And I don't, I don't know what that says about the uh, political environment. Yeah. And, I mean, phys- physicians tend to stay away from politics, and, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to do a better job of creating uh, a, a – 
committee design right uh, to where right. you know these these messages can get out and we don't just have the same thing happening all the time right well you know that that as Becerra is the new HHS secretary they have two different associates to that position one is the assistant secretary of HHS right Dr. Rachel Levine has been appointed by Biden I don't think she's been confirmed yet she has not she's an American pediatrician who has served as secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of yep. Health from 2017 to current She's also a professor of pediatrics at Penn State College of Medicine, yep. and previously served as the physician, uh, Pennsylvania Physician General from 2015 to 17. She's one of only a few openly transgender government officials right. in the United States. And on February uh, 13th, Biden formally nominated her to the Assistant Secretary of Health. She would be the first openly transgender federal official to be confirmed by the Senate. Now, the office of the Assistant Secretary of HHS oversees the department's key public health offices and programs, a number of presidential and secretary advisory committees, 10 regional health offices, and the Office of the Surgeon General and the U.S. Public Health Corps. She's basically the chief medical officer of HHS. Right, and so this goes to my point of, you know, we need to develop a committee, and and I I hope that this position uh, has a level of importance that is going to draw things in, and I hope that that her voice is heard. Uh, I, I I say that without really knowing mm-hmm. what she's going to say, so I may right. be uh, maybe right. you know putting out by. But I think she's going to be uh, a refreshing change to the system. Mm-hmm. And the question is going to be just like you brought it up a, little, a moment ago. Mm-hmm. You bring a doctor into that that crowd, and how right. many months do they last? So exactly. I, I hope that that she has success there. Um, I know that what she's done in Pennsylvania and her experiences in Pennsylvania and their healthcare system yes. is something that can be a model for change. No so, question. so possibly that you know that that's that's you know I feel sort of like we're at, at the uh, sports commentators here and we're going to give right. thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> so I'm going to give uh, Dr. Levine a, a thumbs up uh, mm-hmm. and uh, with my fingers crossed on how that's going to go. And you know I think to be fair, we'll probably wrap up just with those two now and yeah. kind of pick up the rest yeah. in, for time. Yeah. But I tell you, it's I'll, I'll just, a, just a teaser for next time. Now we're going to step into, there was a, another Obama yep. appointee yep. Uh, time and time Deputy again. Deputy secretary, yep. which is right. more of the CEO of HHS. Right. right. And then we're going to talk about Surgeon General. Right. And then we're talking about CMS and CMMI yep. on our next show as we open next week. Absolutely. Okay. Well, lots of change. Great conversation today, but it's time to recognize our sponsor and advertising partners who make this great program possible. This week's sponsor is Nick DiOrio with Healthy Soul Decontamination. A big thanks to my co-host, Dr. Mark with Pediatric Surgery PA, and Larry Jones with the Integrated Independent Physicians Network. I also need to recognize our guest today, Andrew Cole, President and CEO of the East Orlando Chamber of Commerce, and Joseph Felice, MBA, owner and president of Avalon Insurance Services. And big thanks to our advertising partners, Diana with Cicado Films, John with RX to Live, April and Mary Catherine with Counseling Resource Services, Raul with CBRX, and myself, John Kelly with the Orlando Medical News. Larry, please share a final thought for our audience. Take time to become an informed healthcare consumer. It's one of the best ways to protect your family. See you next week. See you guys. Bye.
Do you feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to TheAnswerOrlando.com. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business from competitors, brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. Sakatafilms.com, 407-860-3035. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com.